Hey, we're children of the Most High God. Amen. We can have a good time together, even when everything else is falling apart. We're going to be all right. Jesus on the throne. Let's just follow him. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 18, if you would. Luke chapter 18. I'll begin reading in verse number one. Follow along if you would. If you're able to stand, stand with me. If you're not, you just stay seated and we'll just go on. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear along with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? Father, we are privileged to be in your house tonight. Lord, we come to meet with you. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would move through every heart and every aisle, every seat. And may you say what each heart needs to be heard. And Lord, somehow use me for the honor and glory. We love you, Lord, tonight. We trust you. We believe you. We follow you. So please come. We invite you into this service. In Christ's name, I ask these things. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As you know, Sandy and I are missionaries out in Micronesia, and uh, the Marshall Islands are one of six countries left that do not have the COVID virus. But as panic ran around the world, it did in our islands as well. They've already started social distancing and eliminating all public addresses and graduations, and all those have been canceled, and they have not had one single case. Uh, The frantic that they see here in the United States Uh, takes to one man who has a lot of authority, and he just said this. He said, if we get one case of COVID, we're shutting everything down. And he literally means that. But I remember in uh, March, the U.S. Embassy sent us an email, and they said that we urge all Americans to go back to America. We don't want you to stay here. Go back to America. We got that same message in April. Go back to America. And we didn't know what was going on. We knew this uh, COVID thing was there. Uh, But we have a ministry here in Marshall Islands. We we can't go anywhere. And so we stayed and we continued to preach the gospel. But then uh, all of our flights started changing. And March the 8th, I think, was our last uh, regular flight. And after that, it's just been once a month. And then when it came to this month, there's no flight this month. In fact, The Marshallese government said, no Marshallese will leave the Marshall Islands. You are all going to be staying right here. So they see things coming, whether it does or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, in the first few days of May, Sandy lost about a quarter of her vision in one of her eyes. And so we went to the nearest uh, uh, place that we could, uh, the hospital that we have, and listen, when... uh, When you go to a third world country and you have to go to the doctor, it's not a pleasant thought. It really isn't. I remember uh, one of our members uh, was 
low on two pints of blood. All they had to do is give her two pints of blood. So they're filling her up with blood. They put the wrong blood in this young lady and about killed her. And finally, they gave enough time for that to, to go out or however, whatever they did for her. And they tried it a second time. They put the wrong blood in again. Now, somehow she survived this thing, and finally they did get the right blood in her, and she's uh, one of our faithful ladies. Sandy's discipling her. But this is the kind of medical uh, expertise that we have to deal with. It's just not a real comforting thing. So when she loses her eyesight in one of her eyes, it wasn't a great uh, reassuring thing that we could run down and see the doctor. Well, I knew there was an Indian eye doctor, and so I thought, man, maybe we've got some hope here. We go there, he's stuck back in India. Uh, so there was a nurse there, and he took pictures, did everything he could. He got us up to date, and he said, you know what? The pressure in both eyes are good. All the pictures look good. You're just fine. And he said, why can't I see? What's the problem? So by the course of a week, she went from one quarter of lost vision, and she said it's like a blanket, just kind of covering her over to three quarters. So we counseled with some uh, doctors back here in the States, and they just urged us, you need to get back to the States. There's just no help there. And uh, we knew there was a parasite that would get in an eye over there, and that would make you lose your sight. So the doctor gave us medicine for that, but it wasn't that. You know, as a husband and a provider and a protector, uh, normally I can help Sandy on most, most anything. She needs a Bible verse. She needs scripture. She needs uh, something, a light fix, car fix. I can do those things. But, man, when it comes to her eye, no way, nothing I could do. But I was on first-name basis with someone that could do something, and that's my Lord and Savior. So we couldn't rely on a doctor. We couldn't get out of the island, but we could rely on him. And so we just prayed. And I want you to know, even on a four-and-a-half-square-mile island, God is there, and God will help you. And so we just cried out to the Lord, asking for his help. And uh, the first flight we found uh, was, uh, this is now about May 15th, was June 17th. That was the first flight out. And so uh, we know this is a bad thing because the doctor wanted us yesterday to be at the, the doctor, the hospital, but it couldn't happen. Uh, so we uh, just kind of put a prayer out, Lord, you know where we're at, you know what we need, and a month isn't going to do it. And that's all we could say. Well, the next day, my, my daughter wrote me and said, Dad, the U.S. Embassy in Pompeii, which is another uh, country from where we're at, said there's a flight coming on May the 20th. And I said, no, I got on united.com and there's no flight, Rachel. I think they made a mistake. No, I think it's real, Dad. Call them up. I called up our embassy. No, there's no flight for May 20th. Nobody's able to leave here until June the 17th. And so I finally called United, uh, our local office, and they said, yes, we are working on a flight. We are working on a flight. But the only problem is uh, the flight is full. There, there is no way you can get on uh, the List of standbys is long, but if you want us to put you on standby wheel, I said, look, here's the situation. We need off-island, and we need off-island right away. And she said, well, we got other problems with this flight. And I said, well, what's that? And she says, well, the last time United was here, their plane broke down, and the, US, uh, the, the Marshall government would not assist them. And so for 10 hours, those people had to stay at the aircraft. They could not leave the aircraft until they flew another United flight in. And so they don't want that to happen again. And so the government and United are button heads, and unless they get this worked out, there's not going to be a flight. So from that day until the 19th, we didn't know if we were going to get out or not. And they put us on standby. That's the best they could do. 
But when all this was taking place, I called United.com and I said, listen, here's the situation. Can you do anything? And they were able to get us a reservation. No more are we standby. We're on a reservation. So we uh, were ready to go and we go to the airport. They said it's going to happen. We're sitting there on May the 20th, ready to fly out. And uh, we were at Gate 1, Terminal 1 in, in the Marshall Islands uh, International Airport. There's only one gate. There's only one. We were at the only gate. We were at the place. We were ready to go. And we get word that uh, the flight has been canceled. Oh, great. We have all these uh, medical uh, visits all lined up. We have from uh, four more legs of the airplane flights to get to Ohio where we need to be. Now it's going to mess up everything on a 24-hour delay. But we said, okay, if that's what we got, that's what we got. And so we went home, and uh, Lord still knew we were there. Lord still knew our need. And you know what? By noon the next day, the plane was there. And in fact, it was so wonderful, we would have had to sit in the airport at Honolulu for 20 hours. That was, just was, that was the layover between the two flights, 20 hours. But the way it turned out, and we were delayed, we were able to sleep in our own bed and enjoy our own home until that time we get on the plane, we get to Honolulu, They rush us through security, through customs, right to the next plane, and off we go. We made every other leg, and we got back to Cleveland the following day. We were able to see the doctor. So it was just amazing to see God work through that thing. But you know, while we were there, a lot of things were going through my mind. Take a look at Job chapter 1, verse 21. Keep your place here. This will be our text this evening, but just take a look at Job 1 and verse 21. Lord, I don't know why Sandy lost her sight. We're here trying to serve you. I don't know why this is going on, but we know all things work together for good. Somehow you're going to bring something good out of this. And so I think about what Job said in Job 121. Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I said, Lord, you're going to get a blessing out of this somehow, some way. You gave her sight for all these years. Now she doesn't have the sight. But blessed be the name of the Lord anyways. So I started thinking about Paul. You know, Paul had that infirmity. and Three times he asked the Lord to remove that. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, the Bible says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore... I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God said, no, Paul, you're going to keep it. You're a better man for me. You will serve me better with this. And I said, okay, if we can serve better without sight, then so be it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I thought about our Lord and Savior. Three times he asked the Father, will you let this cup pass from me? And the Father said, no, this is my will. This is what needs to be done. And so the Lord said, look, I said, Lord, whatever it be, if, if it's God's will that, that Sandy loses her sight, then blessed be the name of the Lord. But you know what? It wasn't my eye that was losing sight. It was hers. And that's a little bit more difficult for me to take as the provider and the helper in the home. But the Lord spoke to my heart with this scripture in Luke chapter 18. And in verse 1, he says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. I didn't know at what point I should quit praying. I said, Lord, do I ask you three times and 
And if that's it, then I just live with it. Sandy just lives with it and we go on. If that if that's it, blessed be the name of the Lord. But as I was reading through my daily devotion, I looked at that and I said, you don't want me to quit praying. You don't want me to quit praying. You don't want me to faint. You want me to keep praying. And I just started putting that in my mind. And you know what? The verse tells us that men ought always to pray. Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life. I know our country's a mess. I know churches are having difficult times. I know a lot of people physically are having difficult times. But let me just encourage you tonight. Don't quit praying. Don't lose the faith. God is still in control. I thought about that blind man in John chapter number 9 and verse 2. And his disciple asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Listen, God's going to get glory out of this man. And you know what? That man walked off and he was able to see. And Jesus walked away and he got the glory for it. And I said, Lord, if you can give her, him, his sight back, I believe you can give Sandy her sight back. We both understood at this time that somehow, some way, the Lord was going to get glory through this. As we were packing up, ready to go, we don't know how, how much clothes to bring, how long are we going to be gone, what's happening. So I'm walking through the church the last time, and I'm thinking, you know what, sometimes... I just need to get off this little four and a half mile rock. I mean, I just need to get some sanity somewhere. But I didn't need that then. We were, we were really doing well and things were going great. I don't understand. But Lord, you're taking us and that's where we're going to go. But he opened the doors. We went through it. But I want to tell you something. Our church, our church, their faith really, really increased. They know the chances of us getting on that plane were very slim. And yet they saw God come through and have a flight for us that wasn't even supposed to exist. And I don't care what you believe, if he did it for nobody, he did it for Sandy and I to get us back here, to get her the help she needed. It was a very small chance, but it became a reality. And boy, our church there, they saw the Lord take the impossible and make it possible. And that's the way our God is. He's able to do that. The Lord, you know what? He's already received glory. For this situation, already received the glory. And I want to just give him the glory as well. You remember the part then about uh, being locked down? Wow. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a not a hospital, but a, uh, an airport for 20 hours. But it's not a great thing to go through. We were just so praising God on our trip that that was the fastest trip we ever made, preacher, from Micronesia Back to Cleveland, Ohio. The fastest trip in 30 years that we've ever, ever had. That's our God. That's what he's able to do. So I know God wants us to pray always and not to faint. But next we see in this portion of Scripture, there was a judge which feared not God. Look at verse number 2. Saying there was a city, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. As pastor said a little bit ago, God instituted three things. One was the marriage. 
And you know what? If, if you want to have a good marriage, you better go to the Word of God to find how to have a good marriage. And if the husband will follow the description of how to have a good marriage, and the wife will follow the description of how to have a good marriage, you know what you're going to have? A good marriage. God created it. It works when we do it His way. No difference with a church. God created the church. If we're going to have a God-honoring, God-blessed church, then we need to study the teachings of the Word of God and make sure our church is patterned after what God says. But also government. Government is also to be instituted by God. And the wisest thing the United States ever did was founded this nation 244 years ago on the Word of God. The wisest thing we ever did. You compare our, our nation with any other nation in the world, 244 years is incredible. We've had great successes during that time. But you know what? As we just mentioned the uh, Supreme Court twice now, out of two times, has ruled against the church. And when you have bad judges, bad things are going to come about. Now, take a look in 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Hold your place here in Luke, but go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 19. When a nation wants to have a successful government, they're going to pattern it after the Word of God. And here we find Jehoshaphat. He's setting up some judges in Judah. And notice what he says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 19, beginning with verse 6. And said to the judges, Take heed what you do, for you judge not for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Wherefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it. And there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. We've seen a lot of wicked judges through our nation. In 1962, one of the saddest days in American history is when they took prayer out of the public school. That bad decision has a rippling effect. About 10 years later, they approved abortion. That it was okay to absolutely murder an innocent little baby that has done nothing wrong. Now in the last 10 years, we've seen so many ungodly judges be put into place. We have a mess in our judicial system. Bad judgments of the past is bringing forth what we're seeing today. I hear them calling for the end of our Constitution. That would be the end of the United States of America like we know it. The U.S. has changed. It's not going to change. It's changed already. We've got to deal with the fact of what we have to work with. Decades of replacing evil, and I'm sorry, replacing good with evil are what we're seeing come to fruit right now. As I think about our Lord and Savior, He was God in the flesh. And when He walked upon this earth, He limited Himself to the boundaries that there was. He worked with inside of what was given to Him. As a missionary, you go over to a foreign field. Your job isn't there to make them Americans. It's to win them to Christ and make them disciples. But you know what? Their culture is different. Their thinking is different. What you think and what they think are two different things. And if I'm going to hurt them culturally 
and it's not in the Word of God, I'm not going to hurt them culturally. If that's their culture, and it doesn't, the Word of God doesn't say anything bad about it, go ahead, it's your culture. I don't care. I try to work within the boundaries given to me without compromising the Word of God. We haven't had to do that in America, but we're going to start having to do that here. And that's all right. Jesus was very successful. Missionaries are very successful. Things have changed. We just have to be understanding that. What we're experiencing today, I believe that widow woman was experiencing in our text. She had a real problem. She needed justice. She found a judge that could care less about helping her out. A judge that was ungodly, could care less about God. Now, maybe if this lady had some money, some silver or some gold, she might have got a quicker decision. But she didn't have any silver or gold. There was none offered. But you know what she did? She went back day after day after day. I imagine that judge could look at his clock and say, you know what? That lady's going to be here in about five minutes and she's going to bug me about giving her a decision on this situation. I don't want to deal with it. Every day she kept coming back. Perhaps day and night, day and night, day and night. And finally, and only for that reason, did she say, did that judge say, bring her in. I'm going to hear her case. He realized at that point he was going to get no silver, no gold. He realized at that point he was going to get no political favors, but he would get her off his back. And that's basically why he answered that request. Look at verse number six. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, that he will avenge them speedily. I cried out day and night to my God for help. And I don't know how you can get a flight out of nowhere, but God did it. He did it speedily. Seeing these doctors these days with the COVID on top of it really has a lot of delays. We separate ourselves mainly because we don't want to get it to mess up three more surgeries she needs. So we're just trying to distance ourselves, but you know what? I'm a handshaking guy. And one thing that we did stop in the Marshall Islands was shaking hands. And we finally got to Easter. And I said, you know what? We're shaking hands. Man, I really miss that contact, that human contact. And we shook hands, and I can't tell you how great it was shaking hands one with another. You know, the human contact is how we get the gospel into each and every hand. Think about your own life. How did you get saved? Probably somebody contacted you. Human contact. And the devil would like to take that away from us forever. But God left us here to preach the gospel, to take it to every creature. So if I have to fist bump and we don't even touch hands, that's what I'm going to do. If I have to wear a mask, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to operate the best I can for the Lord Jesus Christ in the boundaries he allows me to have. And I'm telling you, God will honor that. 
And I know God will honor this church. I want to see these church doors stay open until the rapture takes place. Then they can close up. They can do whatever after the words they want. But until that time, I want to see these doors open. We may be able to hold those doors open another week, another month, another year, if we're smart. God shall avenge his own elect. You know, during this parable, the Lord brings out a deeper meaning of truth. And he does that in every parable. That's why they're there. The focus here, though, is not on the ungodly judge in all of his bad judgments. That's not the focus of this parable. And you know, if our focus is only on the, the, the ungodly judges around the nation and all the bad that's going on, our focus is on the wrong thing. The focus isn't on the widow woman who had a need. Listen, we have a need. You have needs. And if our focus is only on us and our needs, our focus is in the wrong place. The parable here is teaching us, in verse number one, men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's the truth he wants to bring through this whole parable. Now here we have a comparison between an ungodly judge and the heavenly father. There's no comparison between an ungodly judge and the heavenly father. That's the point. There is no comparison. But if an ungodly judge would show kindness and help to this lady, how much greater will our heavenly father do for us? God shall avenge his own elect. The one thing that the the widow woman had was persistence. Night and day, every day, Heavenly Father, please give my wife her sight back. The doctor is very happy with what's going on. That retina is reattached. It, It is looking really good. Now, whenever you injure an eye from surgery, if you have a cataract, it'll go bad quickly. And a cataract is kind of like looking through a frosted glass. And so what she's gaining in her retina being reattached, she's losing with this uh, cataract. But there's another surgery taking place. In fact, in a week, we will see that doctor and her bubble's still there. She can see it floating around in there. And uh, it's going to have to be totally gone before they do a next surgery. But day and night, I, I pray and I still pray, preacher. Give my wife her sight back. Give my wife her sight back. Verse number one tells us that we should not quit praying. We should seek the Lord for everything in our life. Faint not, my brother. Keep the faith. Keep praying. I do believe that the Lord has not closed the doors on my wife's sight. He speedily got us back. Speedily provide us with the health care needed. I think four days we were back, she had the surgery. Seems to be a very successful surgery. One of the blessings we live in today is that we do have high tech as far as health care uh, facilities. They're able to do today what, you know, if this happened to her years ago, probably nothing they could do. But today is, a, is an amazing time in which we, we live. But the doctor did tell her, Sandy, your, your eye was detached for some 20 days. I can't, I can't give you any guarantee this thing's going to reattach. And she can give usually about, I don't know, it was 
uh, rate of, of success. She couldn't give that. But when you lose one of your eyes, it's losing depth perception. She's always grabbing my arm when we go to a step. I said, why are you doing that? She said, I can't, I can't, I don't have any depth perception. I don't know how deep it is. Close one of your eyes, you'll see this brother knows all about it. You lose that depth perception. So her, le- her left eye has the same problem. It'll, it'll, it'll detach eventually, but there's some laser surgeries that can be done. All those things are coming up. Three more surgeries we know of for sure. The doctors, they only do so much. But you know what? We serve a God who's able. And all he has to do is think the thought, it's done. Say the word, it's done. If, if we could just reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. Our God's able. This is nothing for him. But whether he does or whether he does not, blessed be the name of the Lord. God be the glory. Somebody hears our testimony and has faith in the Lord and gets saved, praise God. That's what it's all about. I stand before you right now giving the Lord Jesus Christ the glory. He's doing great things. It was hard for me to know how to pray. Do I just pray three times, Lord? I don't want to. If this is your will, I don't want to pray against your will. Thy will be done. He said, Dave, pray. Don't faint. Day and night. And I've been praying since. I'm so thankful for the word of God. You know what? Being over there and not having a Bible, not having my daily reading, my time with the Lord, wouldn't have found that verse. But what a comforting verse it is. And then I thank God for being in Christ because because I'm in Christ, I can go to the throne of grace and prayer. I couldn't go without being in Christ. Beyond my own. But I'm not. I'm in Christ and at His throne. I couldn't think about living without the Holy Spirit of God and Him leading our steps and making this all happen. As I prayed, and I know we don't have time, but Romans 8.28 says, hey, we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit does. And while we pray, He may change it around before it makes up into glory. So be it. I trust the Holy Spirit a lot more than I trust myself. Not let me down yet. These tools work. Don't neglect your Bible. Don't neglect your prayer. And listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. You may not have a detached retina, but I know you have needs. If you approach the Lord the right way, He's going to hear you. He's going to do something. Verse number 8, the questions ask, When the Son of Man cometh, will He find faith on the earth? Will He find faith? If you take time and look at chapter number 17, we see that, there, that, that, that there's an age in which we live It's been difficult for Christians ever since Christ has left. Difficult times. We're spoiled Americans here. We've had it so easy. Doesn't compare with around the world. Doesn't compare with our Christian before us. Doesn't compare with our apostles. They went through it. We've had it easy. But in that chapter, Jesus talked about the healing of ten leopards, but only one returned to give Him and thank Him. Boy, we need to be the one who thanks Him. We need to be the one who praises Him for what He's doing. And the Lord continues in that chapter and talks about the last days. And then we find in this next chapter of 18 and verse 8, 
When the Son of Man cometh, shall you find faith on the earth? Let me ask you, would he find faith in you? Will he find faith in me? We know there's a great falling away coming. If it hasn't already started, I'm sure it has. A great falling away. You could get caught up in that so easy. Will you have faith? Will you be the one that has faith? Will the Lord find faith in you? The world is a changing place, and it's not for the better. Not a coincidence, Sandy and I are home right now. Don't understand why, but I don't question God. And at the same time, my son and his wife, going through some things, has Pott's disease, has a nodule on her thyroid. Don't understand why. Why are, are both of us back here right now at this appointed time? I don't know. God has something going on. I'm keeping my eyes open. I'm letting this thing direct my steps. I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit of God and do what He wants. You know, we see this COVID thing and riots and protests. and I hope you realize that's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. That is not the issue at all. We have an enemy that hates God, and he knows he's running out of time, and he's trying to set up his assault against God. Now, how foolish is that? He's going to hit a block wall and fall flat on his face. He'll have no victory, total loss. But he's so consumed with pride, that's how he's going to fight it out to the end. He's the one behind all this. Let's remember, this is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And we need to be committed. What is our command? Same thing the Lord Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Go and preach the gospel. Make disciples. And keep doing it until I come back. Nothing's changed. Forget the smoke and mirrors. Nothing's changed. We're still here to do the same thing until Jesus comes back. Listen, will you be the one that has faith in him? Or is your focus on that ungodly judge? Or is your focus on yourself? Will you be the one who continues in prayer and faints not? Will you be the one who's telling others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ? We need to be the ones who give Jesus the honor and glory.